0: Welcome to the Cell Culture Dish podcast, Bispecific Antibodies, The Development, Manufacture, and Promise of These Cutting-Edge Therapeutics. I'm Brandi Sargent, Editor of the Cell Culture Dish. In this podcast, we conducted a panel discussion with experts from Celexis and KBI Biopharma on bispecific antibodies. We examined bispecific antibody development and manufacturing, including current challenges and key solutions. We also discuss the promise of these cutting-edge therapeutics and their future in medicine. I'm very excited to have this panel with us today to speak on this topic, which I think is really important. I'm going to let each of the panel members introduce themselves before we get started.
1: Thanks, Brandy. My name is Yemi Onokunle. I'm the Chief Business Officer at Selexis.
2: Hello, my name is uh, Severine Faget. I am the Director of Saline Services at Selexis Geneva. Hi, this is Sigma Mustafa. I'm Vice President for Process Development at KBI North
0: Carolina.
3: Hello, this is Stuart McNall. I'm Senior Vice President of Business Development at KBI based in North Carolina.
0: Thank you all for speaking to my audience today. I find this topic so interesting as I really see novel non-natural protein therapeutics as being the next evolution in medicine. Bispecifics in particular have demonstrated tremendous promise and, like many other new modalities, also challenges. Today, I'm excited to talk to all of you about the current challenges in biospecifics manufacturing and, more importantly, the solutions that you have developed. I'd like to start by talking about cell line development. We all know that CHO cells have been a very successful workhorse in the manufacture of recombinant protein therapeutics, and that CHO cell lines have been optimized over many years to provide the best productivity and product quality. However, as is, they're not optimized for newer protein therapeutics like bispecifics. Could you please share with listeners some of the key challenges with CHO cell lines and bispecific production?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Firstly, I'd like to clarify any misnomers about uh, production for recombinant proteins uh, in a cell line. Uh, since these actually require efficient cooperation of the DNA encoding the protein into the reproductive machinery of the cells, most frequently these chromosomes in the nuclear matrix, uh, in a manner that allows for efficient transcription, translation, and secretion from the cell. Now, this is not trivial, especially considering that foreign DNA have a propensity to be shut down as a result of different regulatory mechanisms. Furthermore, owing to the foreign nature of the protein, the translation and secretion machinery of the host cell may not be adequately suited to the protein. With that said, I would like Severin to talk specifically of the challenges for bispecifics.
2: Let me bring the line development into the picture. Why producing bispecific antibody is more difficult than classical maps. It's all about complexity of the format. The first challenge is that bispecific antibodies show a decreased productivity as compared to classical maps. Bispecific antibody formats result from protein engineering. They can be close to an antibody shape or not, with additional domains or additional linkers. By definition, they are therefore constituted of different complex polypeptide chains that has to be associated to lead to the final format. In one hand, these polypeptide chains show a different expression level. On the other hand, the force pairing is sometimes insufficient and lead to the production of bi product. It reduced the productivity of the expected format. The second challenge is the cell line development process itself. It has to be redesigned in order to meet the unique characteristics of bispecific antibody we have to ensure the production of the right molecule rather than the best-producing one. So productivity and adaptive process are,
0: to my mind, the main challenges of bispecific antibodies. Thank you for clarifying bispecific antibody production and the challenges associated with it. I know that the team at Selexis has developed a series of modules for your technology platform that address the challenges you mentioned. Can you explain how the modules work? Yes, sure. In fact, we have many modules in the platform, but
2: I'm going to talk about only the three that are related to bi-specific antibodies. So first, we have a flexible molecular design. Second, we have a reliable host cell line. And third, an optimized cell line development platform. So as first, Selexis can modulate the expression at the molecular scale, our strategy is to individually clone each polypeptic chain constituting a bispecific antibody into an independent proprietary vector containing selexis genetic elements. Imagine that you have a chain that is expressing. By using our approach, we can now increase the ratio or amount of these problematic chains as compared to the other one. Consequently, at the transfection stage, we will be able to restore a good assembly of the final bi-specific molecule format. And imagine that we still need to increase the expression level. We can re-inject the transgene into the genomic DNA, which calls called the supertransfection, in order to boost the expression. The second tool is our proprietary CHOM m cell line. By using a single cell line, we will directly produce a bispecific antibody in its final assembled format. Again, if a bispecific is very hard to express, we will provide a solution by using our CHOM libraries. These are panel of genetically modified CHOM that co-express helper proteins that could help to rescue a bispecific program by targeting specific expression pathway at the origin of the poor expression. Last, our process is completely adapted to bispecific antibody. We have the capacity to evaluate the quality of bispecific as soon as the early stages of cell line development. We have introduced early checkpoints for purity evaluation. For example, we use high throughput screening at the micro scale to monitor the percentage of heterodimers. This enables us to directly isolate the right
0: clones. Thank you for that. That was really interesting. I had one follow-up question on the cell line development side. Establishing clonality is an important part of cell line development. Can you talk a bit about how you achieve this at Selexis? Yes, so at Cellexis, we can demonstrate the regular authorities
2: that your cell line is originated from a single progenitor cell at different stages of cell line development. First, and the most obvious, is at the stage of the isolation of clones. If we are using a technology in which we isolate single colonies grown in semi-solid media, we will provide statistics based on parameters such as colony shape or proximity from the other colonies. Usually, two rounds are required to ensure monoclonality. But now, if we are using a recently acquired technology based on the chip, one round of cell isolation is sufficient, as monoclonality will be based on imaging. In this cloning technology, the cells are loaded into the chip and individually distributed in small pens, Live imaging will ensure that you did put a single cell into each pen. In addition to the process-related monoclonality, we are also capable to provide monoclonality assessment independently of the ongoing process. This is done by whole genome sequencing. We are used to sequence the genomic DNA extracted from your cell And we demonstrate that the signature of the locus where the gene was inserted is unique among the other clones. By that, we will demonstrate monoclonality based on sequencing.
0: That explanation was really helpful. I want to switch lanes here and talk about the partnership between Selexis and KBI Biopharma to deliver gene to GMP in nine months. I was really quite impressed by that. Can you discuss how the partnership works and the competencies that each company contributes to that process?
1: I can go first at Selexis. Uh, firstly, I'd just like to mention that Selexis and KBI became affiliated as sister companies in June 2017 following acquisition of Selexis by GSR Corporation, which is the parent company of KBI. Prior to the affiliation, KBI had performed process development and GMP manufacturing on over 12 different RCBs expressing different types of products, including bispecific antibodies, and had established a significant level of know-how and experience in working with these uh, cell lines from Selexis.
3: Yumi, if I could interject, at KBI to date, we have performed development and manufacturing with more than 30 Selexis generated cell lines. And of these programs, 23 were provide specific molecules. Since our affiliation, Celexis and KBI have worked
1: tirelessly to streamline the workflows across cell line development and process development to ensure seamless tech transfer, reduce redundancies, and ensure high levels of success in manufacturing. For well-understood products such as monochloral antibodies, we have established a nine month gene to GMP workflow whereby early pools are transferred to KBI so that they can initiate upstream, downstream and analytical method development, leading to GMP manufacturing. This is strongly enabled by the integrity of the pools that are delivered, since these correlate very closely and are predictive of the final clones, both in terms of performance and also product profile. My colleagues at KBI can add a bit more based on the manufacturing processes they're able to establish.
3: Yemi, thank you very much for uh, sharing our experiences together. I would like to elaborate on, really, the last point you made, that the enriched stable pools that Selectus creates uh, you know, in that four to six week timeframe are quite representative of the final cell lines that come out of cell line development. And we've seen this many, many times uh, working together. So that's what enables KBI to start development sooner. And that's part of the reason for the speed we're able to move in these timelines. The cell line development is very quick as it is. Uh, KBI can start a couple of months sooner and then the KBI workflows are highly integrated and overlaps based on our experience. You know, as we came together as sister companies, we looked at our experience at KBI with the selects of cell lines and uh, Sigma's team uh, developed workflows that in process development to coordinate with analytical development and pre-formulation development and manufacturing. And so this is based on quite a few years of experience that we mapped this highly integrated workflow. So we've been using that MAPS and biospecifics for the last few years. And um, with the biospecific case, you know, we're, we're able to do full development uh, still rapidly from transfection to tr- GMP drug substance, typically in 11 months for biospecifics. You know, sometimes longer if, if clients need to do studies and, and, and analyze uh, data in between. Uh, but that's, you know, less than a year from transfecting a cell on to drug substance in a bottle for biospecifics is quite impressive. I've been impressed. So with that experience on 23 biospecifics working together, uh, we've achieved titers as high as 10 grams per liter, which for a biospecific is phenomenal. But another key component is the, the cell on technology that Severine and Yemi mentioned earlier, you know, pairing those ratios for these heterodimers, that provides a, a high Heterodimer purity to begin with, and then KBI's downstream platforms are able to produce very high heterodimer purities, definitely above 95%, sometimes higher than 98%. So with that, um, you know, Sigma will elaborate on some of these aspects in the following questions. So we look forward to that.
0: Thank you. And along those lines, I'd like to ask a similar question about process development and manufacturing as I did of selling development. What do you see as the biggest challenges facing by specific manufacturing?
4: Uh, this is Sigma. Yeah, let me elaborate on on this aspect a bit. Bi-specifics, by, by definition have more complexity of structure and therefore higher level of technical challenges, both during development and scale-up. The type of challenges we see, as Stuart pointed out, is heterodimer versus homodimer ratio, fragments, aggregate levels, etc. So, all of that Results in more of a, um, you know, involved development need, especially for downstream. Then, as Severin pointed out earlier, we also see typically somewhat lower titer. So, upstream needs to work a little bit harder as well to improve the titer. Another issue, depending on the bi-specific format, uh, we have seen is sometimes higher HCP load uh, with those molecules, requiring again more more of an in-depth uh, development. So um, what we notice with a lot of our clients is their focus early on in candidate selection is more on the potency of the molecule and uh, not so much on the manufacturability component. And uh, we definitely recommend to our clients uh, as early as possible to look at manufacturability as a factor as well, uh, which definitely would help them in terms of a more efficient development of biospecifics.
0: Thanks. How does the KBI platform address these challenges?
4: So, um, as I was mentioning about manufacturability assessment, we definitely, as soon as we are involved with the project, we would want to do that assessment in terms of biophysical characterization, overall in-depth characterization of the molecule, um, as well as any type of process-related challenges. So a uh, couple of things that we are able to do is, of course, our world-class analytics group, uh, as well as our formulation group, comes into play very early. In development, we also have invested heavily on high-throughput technology for upstream, downstream, and analytics, which allows us to look at a wide range of process conditions early on to identify the best condition to address some, some of these challenges I mentioned earlier. And we also try to do scale up of the process as early as possible to see if there are any issues in scale up. So, with all these different strategies, we have been very successful in, in working with a wide variety of formats of bi-specifics and bringing them
0: to clinic. Thank you. And I'm really interested in the gene to GMP in nine months, it's quite fast. And I'm hoping that you can tell listeners what capabilities each company brings to the process in order to achieve such a rapid timeline.
1: Yes, actually, uh, firstly, to address that question, I'd uh, just like to make a quick disclaimer. Typically, we expect these fast timelines to apply when the molecule is very well understood and has a straightforward downstream purification process especially for molecules such as easy-to-express monoclonal antibodies. So with that said, I would like to say from the cell line side, some of the attributes that allow us to move quickly. Firstly, would be the predictability in our cell line development process. Uh, As Severin had highlighted earlier, we apply different modules based on the complexity of the molecule. And for antibodies, uh, we have been able to demonstrate over a strong track record of multiple different antibodies that the process we are bringing is highly predictive and to know uh, what level of activities need to be brought to bear. The second part of the cell line piece is the speed with which we are able to very rapidly establish stable pools. Uh, I think Stuart had mentioned earlier that we are able to generate pools in about four weeks, and these pools will be transferred to KBI to initiate process development. But importantly, those pools are predictive of the final clones. And because of that, the process that KBI actually establishes becomes applicable to the final clones, meaning that things can happen in parallel. Importantly also, i like to highlight uh, across both Selectis and KBI, uh, the strong knowledge base that we are able to bring to bear and also the tools that we have to address challenges when they arise. And thirdly, and KBI team can actually elaborate further on this, would be the analytics that we're able to leverage very early on in post screening to rapidly characterize these cell lines as well as the
3: product. Thank you for that, Yemi. Uh, this is Stuart again. Yeah, the, the, to me, the two big factors that drive the speed we're able to achieve are the fact that the enriched pools are, are more representative of the final cell line. So, as I said before, that allows us to do a lot more in development, you know, much sooner uh, from upstream to downstream to formulation development. So that's a key driver. And then, as I mentioned before, you know, the highly integrated and overlapped workflows certainly uh, lends the speed, you know, but but to be able to pull those off as we have for multiple programs the last few years is really based on experience and having, you know, really sharp scientists that are paying attention to the data. As it comes off, um, and based on experience, you know, making the decisions needed to keep those workflows going. You know, having said that, this is also, uh, the relationship is really important, um, where, you know, we really work hand in hand with our, our partners to be teed up to, um, to understand what data is coming forward when and, uh, when we need to, you know, join together to make decisions together. And we do a lot of those, you know, in person for, for key point, key moments. Yeah. In addition to that, yeah, having the, uh, analytical tools available to solve issues as they arise, which on most programs, uh, you, you'll have a few surprises here or there, and it's a matter of being ready for those. And, um, you know, uh, kind of leading into the next question, that's where KBI, I think, is extremely flexible and um, very team-oriented and working with our partners to to solve any any troubleshooting that needs to be done.
0: I'm really curious about which steps in the process offer the biggest opportunity for efficiency and time savings. On the
1: uh, cell line development side, I would definitely say the early pool generation because uh, these early pools being representative of the final RCB means that we can initiate process developments in parallel with the cell line development activities that are taking place at Selexis. I would let uh, KBI uh, um, mention some of the efficiencies on the manufacturing side.
3: Yep, I um, fully agree with, with Yumi's point and the previous points. You know, for, for the transfer to manufacturing, you know, we have very scalable systems. So typically we'll culminate process development with a 200-liter, uh, what we call a demonstration run. That's using the final process, uh, the final cell line, and a final analytical panel. And that's that's usually a, the toxicology, IND-enabling toxicology batch for our partners. Um, so the other value of that batch is it, it's a pilot-scale run, and um, it scales extremely well to our 2,000-liter uh, single-use reactors, where we can uh, make GMP batches at 2,000-liter, 1,000-liter, or 500-liter scale, depending on your clinical needs. Uh, we can also make smaller batches as needed. Um, but with that scalability, we don't need to do engineering runs. And that's uh, quite often the case. You know, sometimes um, our partners have needs for material supply or just want to have a, a bigger data set. So we're happy to do engineering runs. But, you know, without the need for engineering runs, you know, there's easily a, a few months savings on the timelines and also, um, you know, cost savings for our partners. You know, if, if we can help uh, help you manage your budget, that that's what we want to do.
0: For this next question, I wanted to put myself in the shoes of the customer and ask about what the customer experience is like when working with you, and also what can biopharma companies do to make the process move as smoothly and efficiently as possible?
1: Certainly. For sure, I would consider that one of the most pertinent customer experiences when they work with us is one of service satisfaction. We work very collaboratively with uh, the biopharma companies that come to us and they rely really on the several years of experience and our successful track record of developing high performance cell lines for proteins of different modalities and structure. Therefore, um, with our proprietary tools that we're able to bring to bear, we can address unforeseen issues when they arise and uh most of the companies that we are working with really value that uh quite greatly uh because this is biologics we know uh we can control for our processes but the the outcome is still down to biology and uh i guess i i will let uh, kbi also shed some light on that from from their perspective
3: I, sure i can give my thoughts and uh, and then hand it over to sigma i mean i think our clients has us as being very technically competent and with a definite focus on the science, but also very flexible. You know, as I mentioned before, flexibility and, and uh, working together to, to find schedules and scope to meet their needs. You know, when you come to KBI, we certainly have a well-defined, what we call Selectus KBI integrated ski workflows. But we are happy to sit down together um, on a whiteboard and, uh, and put together the scope that, that meets your needs. Um, so, you know, certainly flexibility um, and technical competence. And uh, I just wanted to uh, see what perspective uh, Sigma has on this from her teams, uh, you know, running 40 or 50 of these programs per year.
4: Yeah, thanks, Stuart. I fully agree with what Yemi and Stuart said. Definitely flexibility in combination with the transparency that we value a lot in terms of sharing data, sharing our opinion around uh, the molecule and process um, as early as possible and uh, how we truly view ourselves as partners in developing the process. And we see our success criteria as being able to bring the molecule to clinic. I think those are the features all of our clients get to see and uh, we are known for.
0: I think that is really great. As we hear more and more in the industry about the importance of partnership, it is good to hear that this is also important to you as you work with customers. From an industry perspective, I'm wondering if uh, you would be able to speak to what still needs to be done to see bi specifics reach their full potential, particularly with respect to cost and manufacturability.
1: Well, I can take this from the Selexis uh, side and hand off to my colleagues at KBI. For sure, at Selexis and KBI, we experience very high success rates of projects based on leveraging a proven and tested uh, cell line development, process development, analytics, and manufacturing technology platform uh, that allows us to establish high-performance processes. Uh, In that equation, cost and manufacturability are very important. And uh, in fact, the earlier we are able to incorporate manufacturability assessment into that equation, uh, the the more uh, likely of having uh, great success as regards to the costs of uh, the uh, manufacturing process. Uh, and one thing that we've realized, particularly as it relates to bispecific antibodies, and this is something that uh, Severin alluded to earlier, is that the level of diligence used upfront in the design and the protein engineering of the bispecific antibody actually pays dividends later in the form of high-producing cell lines with minimal production liabilities. Uh, I'll hand over to KBI to add to that.
4: Thanks, Yami. So I think in terms of cost and manufacturability, really what it comes down to is uh, you need high titer producing cell line and you need as much uh, of a, a simpler process uh, for purification as possible and not have unusual uh, raw materials needed to achieve the purity. And with a lot of our bi-specifics, actually we see very high titer. We have seen up to 10 gram per liter and uh, from the get-go pretty high purity of heterodimers which which is very very encouraging it does depend on the format of the molecule as as well so um i, I feel that in order to become uh, fully uh, proficient in terms of making bispecifics i uh, considering the platform the format is important as well as as early as possible do the manufacturability uh, assessment and Look at the overall cost from the very early on and not just the activity of the molecule.
0: I really like to ask this next question of experts on industry issues. And I'm hoping that uh, both Selexis and KBI can respond. If you could look into your crystal ball, where do you see bispecifics in the next five years?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm very happy to take, uh, to take it on behalf of Selexis. I certainly have my crystal ball in front of me right now. And uh, I can tell you that we are definitely seeing a growth in the bispecific antibodies as a therapeutic modality to treat previously untreated diseases such as cancer and even infectious diseases and other types of diseases. Actually, more recently at the uh, American Society for Hematology Conference, uh, it was an eye-opener to this class of products as it showcased several early clinical success stories in oncology especially when compared against other therapeutic modalities such as the CAR T's. Actually, CAR T's have, have recent, uh, with the recent approvals of a uh, few CAR T's for treatment of hematological cancers, have been seen as one of the uh, innovative uh, uh, therapeutic modalities to treat these, these types of diseases. Yet, there are still a lot of challenges that I believe bispecific uh, antibodies actually Uh, have the opportunity to compete neck and neck against and displace CAR-T's as the uh, preferred uh, modality. And one of those reasons is because bispecific antibodies can be off-the-shelf therapies versus uh, CAR-T's that have to be customized to each individual patient. Additionally, there's a cost advantage to relying on bispecific antibodies as a therapeutic modality for treatment of uh, of different diseases versus CAR-T's since uh, car again, have to be customized to the individual patients, and uh, in the most recent uh, costs to the patients that we've seen could run into the high hundreds of thousands of uh, dollars for treatment uh, of patients, whereas for bi-specifics we anticipate it to be a lot more reasonable. All in all, this would translate into much better patient benefits, and as a result of that, I think that uh, we would anticipate seeing Bi-specifics uh, being a mainstay for treatment of some of these more complex diseases of high unmet need. KBI, maybe they have uh, some additions they can put onto that.
4: Sure. We definitely expect the trend of moving from MAP to bi-specific to continue and the portfolios uh, to become more and more heavy on bi-specifics. In fact, over the next five years, we would expect uh, bispecifics and multispecifics and multimar of MAPs to become more uh, more of a primary uh, sort of uh, component of our portfolio. And we expect as clinical data are coming through, uh, more of a convergence in terms of the format of the bispecifics. That are best suited for efficacy as well as for for manufacturability to become more obvious uh, so that biospecifics and multi specifics become as garden variety as maps over time.
0: I want to thank you all again for joining us on the panel today. I think it was a really interesting conversation. It was really helpful to learn more about biospecifics, including the challenges but also the solutions that are available and I really just appreciate everyone's time today. I'd like to close by asking each of the panel members if there's anything that they would like to add for our audience before we end the podcast.
1: Yeah, maybe I'd just like to reiterate uh, that we have uh, to date worked on over 30 different bispecific antibody programs between Celexis and KBI with various designs, different complexities, some of which are even more complex than others. Uh, Majority of these have been transferred to KBI for process development and manufacturing. One thing that stands out is that uh, we're able to see good predictability very early on by leveraging our modular workflows all the way from uh, cell line development through process development, scale up and manufacturing. And I think we'd already mentioned previously, but I'd like to reiterate again we really see excellent productivity ranges that are comparable to standard antibodies in the range of two to five grams per liter in a shake flask with uh, over 95% uh, heterodimer purity at production scale. So actually this is actually pretty good, I, I think. And uh, it's, a, it's a point I like to really emphasize uh, to the experience and expertise that we have at Celexis and KBI.
3: Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, from the KBI perspective, you know, um, Sigma and I have both done this for a number of years, and um, I think we're quite proud of this offering. It's, um, it's you know, having the, the foundation of the Selexis Shure technology is, is a lot of fun for our development scientists because they know there's potential to really uh, improve titers and, and have uh, very high purities from purification. And, and the scalability to manufacturing um, is just uh, something that's gone very well for, for us uh, because we've done this Intensely, the last three years, and it's a real point of focus for us. That that has enabled high success rates, and that gives us a lot of confidence uh, for programs coming in the door. There's other offerings out there, but we we think we're more experienced in this offering, and we look forward to uh, helping uh, bring more partners to to IND and first-in-human, and then from there, uh, look forward to uh, you know doing late-phase development and commercialization down the road.
0: Thank you so much again for your perspectives today. I really look forward to following by specifics and where the technology goes from here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To learn more about this and other stem cell and biomanufacturing related topics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com or for downstream biomanufacturing topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.